Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. All right, all right, what is going on? Yeah. Man. Nothing is better than obligatory clapping, right? Man, it really makes you feel welcome. Now, for I love being here uh, here at Restoration, and hey, to all the other campuses um, all over the place. I'm super excited to be a part of what's going on here. Uh, super excited. Yeah, it's been two years since I've been here, but yeah, as Pastor said, it's always good news to be invited back, and so I'm super pumped to be here. But if we haven't met, uh, a little bit about me is this. So yeah, my name is Ty Buckingham. Uh, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I am married. I've been married for uh, seven years now. No clapping, that's fine. Um, Okay, you know, I know no one did at any location, it's fine. Um, Here's the thing, when I first got married, people were so excited, standing applause, all the things. And what I'm learning this morning is that nobody cares. Um, It's fine, we'll get over it. I know, but but for real, and and part of that, which is funny, is over the years, people asked us one question all the time, all the time, for years. It was, hey, when are you guys going to have any kids? That was always brought up. When are you guys gonna make some little preachers of your own, all that stuff? And so for the longest time, we told them, we don't know, we just practice all the time. And if you're married and you didn't think that was funny, you just need more practice, okay? All right. Um, but what's cool is practice worked out, and now we have a kiddo. Uh, we have a, a six-month-old named Moses, and he is amazing. I think we have a picture of him somewhere, but we'll find it later. It's okay. He's, it's fine. Um, I'm so, but I'm, we have a six-month-old baby, and I mean, I'm so excited to be here to sleep. I mean, preach, sorry. Um, and, but no, for real. But he's, he's amazing, and he's awesome. Um, but today, uh, I'm excited to go with you in the continuing in the series you have been on the subject of new. Uh, And today what we're really going to be talking about is this idea of new healing, a new way to be healed. And I'm going to teach a little bit out of of some books I wrote, and I'll talk about that later on. But I want to start this off because Holy Spirit many times in the Bible is called a comforter, and we're going to understand who he is in a new way, understanding that that comfort. But I want to start it off by telling you about a story, a true one, unfortunately so, Uh, When I was six years old, I was on a plane that caught on fire. This is real. And not a plane on fire, a plane that was on fire. In the sky, in the air, this really happened. I was six years old. Uh, I was on a typical uh, white person vacation, which is where you go anywhere and you get sunburned doing anything. And so I'm a six-year-old. I look completely red and just destroyed all over. And so it's, you know, it's kind of this funny thing. And so we, you know, we went to Florida on this vacation, but we grew up and we didn't have any money. So we didn't, um, oh yeah, there's my, there's my kiddo and a dog and my wife. Okay. There we go, um, all that. But so, but we went on this vacation, but we didn't have any money growing up. So we didn't go, like in Florida, people typically go to Disney World. Uh, we couldn't afford that. So we went to the Disney store and bought nothing. That was the vacation. That was the whole thing. It was awful. And so vacation's over. Not really. Not even a vacation. And we're heading out. We're going to fly up to Michigan uh, where we lived at the time. So we're flying from Florida to Michigan. The, the, the vacation's over. 
We get to the airport early. Uh, we heard that there was going to be a storm later that day, but we weren't really worried about it. Our flight was going to be way before all of that. And so we were at the airport. We're waiting, and, and all of a sudden, you know, we're about to board our plane. We're excited, kind of finally get to go home. And a flight attendant comes out and says, hey, we're so sorry, but the flight has been delayed five hours. Uh, five hours. And we're like, oh, this is so frustrating. And I remember even as a six-year-old, I was like, what, like, what could possibly be the problem? Problem. And they end up coming out and telling us, like, well, some of the seatbelts are not working on the plane. I don't know how this happens, and I also don't even know how it's a problem. I flew in here yesterday, and every time I put on that seatbelt, I do it somewhat sarcastically. I'm like, there's no way this thing does any good. Because I've never seen this. I've never seen, like, on the news or, like, breaking news. A plane has just crashed into a mountain. There was only one survivor. He was the only one wearing a seatbelt. Like, no. Like, tomorrow, actually today, later, if I get on a plane and I crash into a mountain, seatbelt, no seatbelt, there's no tie. Like, I'm gone, for sure. But so we wait a bunch of hours. We're finally gonna get on a plane. We're really excited. Um, we're about to hop on. And once again, the flight attendant comes down and says, hey, we're sorry, this plane is also broken. It's gonna be another six or seven hours of a delay. And we're frustrated. And some of you might be wondering, what kind of airline would treat you so poorly? And I don't wanna put any airline you know, like in the mud or make them you know, ashamed or anything. So we're gonna make up a fake name for the airline. We're gonna call it uh, Spirit Airlines. Um, <laughs> Because it was, okay? Now, um, I don't know why we were frustrated because when you pay $8 for a ticket, you get an $8 flight, okay? And so, but we're, you know, like, okay, fine, we'll wait. And so then we wait another like eight hours. We're waiting all day long, not as bad as pastor's story, but waiting 70 hours, but we, it was still traumatic for us. And so, but we're waiting, it's late at night. And by this time, there is this massive storm uh, hitting us in Florida. And I remember as a six-year-old kid standing up against the glass of the airport and the rain was just pounding on the glass. It sounded like this thunderous applause. It was so loud. And then faintly in the background, I could hear my mom yelling my name, you know, Ty, Ty, it's time to get on the plane. So finally, they have a plane that worked uh, and my mom hands me the ticket. What was interesting is that there were four of us, my mom, stepdad, sister, and myself. There's four of us, but there are three seats that are together near the front of the plane and one seat at the very back of the plane right in front of the toilet next to a stranger. And as the favorite child, I was given the toilet seat. Um, I thought at the time. And so, but I'm going to the back. Um, I'm about to sit next to this stranger. And I, I go to the back of the, of the plane. I see the person sitting next to who I'm going to sit next to. And I, as a six-year-old, could only come to one conclusion. She had died. Um, she, she looked like this, like she wasn't breathing. And for a lack of better words, she had not aged well um, at all. And so I'm this little kid, I'm six years old. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, mom, like there's a dead lady. I need, I need to get a new seat. And my mom's like, sit down or we'll leave you in Florida. And so, um, but I sit down next to this, this dead woman. I think we, we, we start to take off. And so typically it takes, from takeoff to cruising, usually it takes a good 20 minutes to kind of get to that altitude, that, that height in the sky. But about seven minutes into climbing into the sky, all of a sudden, the lights turn off on the plane. And we weren't super worried. I was just like, this is interesting. This is new, new feature of the Spirit Airlines. You know, maybe got to pay extra for the lights. I don't know. And then, oh, I forgot to tell you, at the same time, the engines turned off on the plane. 
So we go from ascending quickly to leveling out very quickly. And all of a sudden it goes completely silent. And then a miracle happened on the plane. The dead was raised from the life. Uh, the, the lady who I thought was dead is awoken. Praise Jesus. And she looks at me and she said something to me that I will never forget as long as I live. She said, don't worry, we're just gliding. Okay, um, okay. Um, I might have been six, but I wasn't stupid because I know this. I know that gliding is just another way to say that you are falling, which is basically what we did. The, the pilot got on the speaker and said, hey, so, we're so sorry. We have no idea what's happening. Not what you want to hear from your pilot. Um, he says, we don't know what's happening. Um, we need to make an emergency landing. And as they turn the plane around, they start to land. There's actually smoke coming from the front of the plane. We can see at the top of the airline. Of the airline. And then, then we, we land the firefighters come from the back of the plane, rush to the front, and they get us off the plane. And so we end up going, there's no flights at that late at night. It's by one or two in the morning. And we finally, we're like, we're going to get a flight the next day. So we have to get a hotel for the night. Now we grew up, we had no money. So we didn't stay at a hotel or a motel. We stayed at an hotel, like, an, oh God, oh my gosh, we got to stay here? Like for real? And so we're there, uh, you know, but we wake up the next morning. We're having, you know, some cereal or whatever. We're watching the news and we see this on the news. It says, breaking news. Last night, a plane caught on fire. And we're like, wow, that must have been a really bad moment for them. <laughs> Foreshadowing. And then, and then we were watching it some more and like, actually the plane uh, came out of the same airport we were. I'm like, that's crazy. How did we not hear about this? And then, and then we actually end up seeing more and more that the cockpit had caught on fire. And we're like, this sounds quite familiar to our situation. And then it showed the flight number and it said Spirit Airlines. We're like, we already knew that. And then, and then uh, it said the flight number and uh, we realized it was our plane. And we actually uh, ended up realizing via the news that the, uh, the pilots ended up seeing this, this fire in the cockpit. These old wires got corroded, sparks, and then flames. And so the cockpit of our plane actually had a small fire inside of the plane. And from that moment on, I was a mess about flying. I was so anxious. I was so messed up because I had this really, what felt like this traumatic incident. And I, the last thing I ever wanted to do was fly the next day, let alone fly over and over. So man, for, for a good decade and a half, for about 15 years of my life, I would do anything to avoid flying. I would do anything. And so man, I would miss out on, on missions trips. I actually, I, I said no to, that I was like, I thought I was called to, but I didn't do what I was called to do because I was so anxious. Man, I would miss like uh, friends, like you know, going on trips. And then I remember growing up, my dad would do this where we'd have these like father-son trips, just me and him, super cool. We, you know, we were in a small city, so we'd go out to like a big city and super fun. We would drive there. And then one day he says, hey, I have this plan, you know, tri this trip planned for us. And I was so excited. He's like, hey, we're gonna go to the other side of the country, to this big city. And I was so excited. I was like, wow, that's a really long drive. And he's like, no, we're flying. And I was like, oh, no, we're not. Um, <laughs> We're not gonna fly. We're not actually gonna go. Eventually, I literally convinced my dad not to go on the trip. Even though my dad had it planned for, prepared for, and was pumped to do it, my, my fear, my, my hurt, my anxiety kept me from going to the places my father wanted me to go. And I have this weird feeling that all the locations, man, here, man, and many believers is this, is so many of us, we have these hurts, we have these anxieties that are keeping us from going to the places our heavenly father is calling us to go. 
And so this morning, what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of unpack this, get a place of healing. We're actually at the end of service. I'm gonna take us through kind of a unique time of prayer to walk through some of this. But then we're also gonna see how Jesus responds to all of this. Because here's what I've realized. I had this really crazy event that happened in my life. And oftentimes, things that happen to us create things that happen within us. Oftentimes, things that happen to us create things that happen within us. And I, I was so like hurt by this event. I was so hurt by it that it prevented me from going to all these places. And maybe you've heard this phrase before of that hurt people hurt people. But let me tell you this, hurt people hurt people. But here's what I believe also is free people, free people. So many times we're like, oh man, hurt people, hurt people. But Jesus wants to give us something better. Man, through Holy Spirit, he wants to give us a comforter, a new type of healing. So we go from hurt people, hurting people, that we go from free people, freeing other people. And so today I want us, like the songs we even were singing even at this campus are talking about, hey, we're gonna be free people. We're gonna stand on that freedom. And I absolutely love this. Because so often I think we rock around feeling like we're broken people because oftentimes our hurt can seem like brokenness. Oftentimes our hurt can seem like brokenness, but let me tell you the truth is this, just because you're hurting does not mean that you're broken. Man, you can always be repaired to the power of Jesus and we're gonna walk through that in a little bit. But let me say it like this, let me kind of take a time out, just as we talk about these ideas of hurts and traumas and anxieties, let me say it like this, anxiety and depression, all that kind of stuff is not demonic, okay? It's not demonic. I mean, I, I remember having anxieties in my life and issues, and I would hear people tell me, like, oh, you just need to pray more because that's just from the devil. All of that is from the devil. He's just attacking you, which I totally believe the devil attacks us. But I also believe oftentimes we are our own worst devil. Because oftentimes when I'm anxious, when I'm having these traumatic moments, I'm reliving them over and over again in my thoughts, and I'm the one leading myself into the hurt and into the anxiety. And oftentimes we are our own worst devil because we end up thinking about it and going around this way in our own minds. And so but what I love about the Bible is it says that there's a way out of this kind of living. There's a new type of healing that we can have. In, uh, in Corinthians, first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, it says this, man, we take captive every single thought and have the ability to make it obedient to Christ. So the Bible says that we actually have the ability to take captive these anxious, these traumatic thoughts and these bad experiences and events when we were younger or even recently, and we can do something better than just live in our past. We can actually have an amazing future with that. Uh, Philippians 4.8 is a verse that changed my life forever in regards to a new type of healing, of healing my anxiety and my traumas is this. Philippians 4.8 says this, summing it all up, my friends, I'd say you will do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true. Someone say true. Thank you. Yeah, things that are true, not things that could be true, things that actually currently are true. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst. Yeah, I don't know about you, but at least for me, oftentimes my initial reaction to life is not to go to the best case scenario. It's always a defensive nature to go to the worst case scenario. So I can start preparing and defending myself. But the truth is, what the Bible says, what we should be doing is we should be thinking on and meditating on what is currently true. 
You know, after that time of being on that weird plane moment, uh, I still had a couple flights I would have to go to for whatever reason. You know, and I was kind of forced to get on these planes. And every time, the, the idea of any turbulence, which is very normal, any little moment or shaking of a plane, my mind would immediately go to, here we go, the plane is clearly on fire again. I'm like, one little bump and the plane is in flames and we're gonna go through this all over again. Even though that isn't true, I'm just putting my past experience on my current experience, even though that's not even true. And so many times I think we, we like to hide these feelings of anxiousness or hurts from our past. But what I love about Jesus is he shows us we don't have to do that. There's this really popular verse, one of the most popular because it's the easiest to memorize. It is two, two words. It is Jesus wept. And uh, I want to go to that. In John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus has this moment. It says that Jesus wept. Now, before this, kind of go, go back a couple moments, is this, is there's this, this wild verse to me that Jesus wept, and it's wild to me for a lot of reasons. But before this moment, Jesus is out doing ministry, and two of his friends, Mary and Martha, come to him, and they're saying, Jesus, we have a huge issue. We have a huge issue. Your friend, our friend, our brother Lazarus is sick and he is going to die. Jesus, you've got to do something. Jesus, you've got to come through. And then Jesus responds to them in John eleven four. 4. This is before he weeps, of course. John eleven four. 4, Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So Jesus is fully man and he is fully God at the same time, which is amazing. So he is showing his, the, the part, the, all of him that is God and saying, hey, I know what's going to happen. I am Jesus and I know what's gonna happen and here's what's going to happen. This will not end in the way that you're worried that it's going to happen. He's not gonna die. He's gonna be totally, he's gonna be totally okay. He's gonna be totally okay. And so, so but then, then they kind of move on. A bunch of days go by, uh, and actually four days go by, where then they get to where Lazarus is. Jesus makes the journey to Lazarus. And, but by the time they get to Lazarus, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And if I'm one of the disciples, I'm confused. Because Jesus, you said it was gonna be okay, but right now, it definitely doesn't feel like it's okay. And if I'm really honest, if I'm a disciple, I probably feel like Jesus let me down. Because Jesus, you said one thing, but I'm feeling something very differently because right now, man, it's not the way you said it was gonna be. And what's wild is, is Jesus goes to this moment, he sees where Lazarus is laid out in this tomb and this moment happens where Jesus wept. So Jesus weeps. He actually shows these emotions. Man, he, he, he lets out what he so often feels like in culture today that we're supposed to keep into ourselves. But what I love about this is that when Jesus wept, it showed others around him the love he had for Lazarus. So Jesus wept, and the very next verse says this, the people looked around him and they said, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. So oftentimes we feel like, man, showing any emotion or addressing any kind of hurt in our life is a point of weakness. But actually in this moment, Jesus is showing it that it's actually a place of love. Man, because in this moment, Jesus is grieving. He is mourning his friend. And grieving and mourning is just all the unexpressed love that we haven't been able to share with that person. And so Jesus has this moment. Jesus being in his hurt, feeling his feelings, he has this moment. 
But then, as many of us know how the story ends, Jesus calls out to Lazarus and says, Lazarus, get up. And Lazarus is raised from the dead. He comes out of the tomb. They're all celebrating. They're all excited. And I used to wonder this, though. So we all know how the story goes. Lazarus is dead. Jesus raises him from the dead. And it's this amazing moment. You know, Jesus even said this was going to happen. He says it wasn't going to end in death. It's amazing. So my question was always this. If Jesus knew that it wasn't going to end in death, if it was going to be okay, then why did Jesus weep? That was my question, because it's this really popular verse in the Bible that Jesus wept, but I used to always wonder, why was Jesus weeping when we knew he was going to know what happened? Like, Jesus knew what was going to happen. And here's what I think is crazy to me, is even though Jesus knew it was going to be okay, he wept when it wasn't okay. I mean, even though Jesus knew it was going to be okay, he wept and he, he actually kind of mourned when it wasn't okay. Man, you might be in pain and probably know that it won't last forever. But what I love about this verse and what Jesus shows us is this, is that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there forever. Because Jesus weeps and then he moves on to the next part of it and then he raises his friend from the dead. And so the question is this, well, how do we deal with these kind of hurts that feel like they could either last forever or just for a moment? How do we deal with these? Uh, really, it's just a couple ways is this. Number one is understand that hurt is not the same as being broken. Man, hurt and broken are not the same thing. The second thing is this, is focus on what is true, like that verse says uh, in Philippians 4.8. And the third thing is this, you have to invite Jesus into the moment. You have to invite Jesus into the moment. Because here's the thing, a lot of us, we go a lot of different directions with our hurt, with our pains, and those are fine. But let me tell you this, man, like I, I have a doctor, a chiropractor, a dentist. I hate that guy, but he's fine. No, um, God bless him. Save his soul. Uh, but it's for real. So, but I, I have a doctor. I have a chiropractor. I got this. I have a therapist. Man, she has all my money. And for real, like I have all of this and that's great. I'm totally about all of it. But the truth is, is this, people can help you, but only Jesus can heal you. Man, people can help you, and that should be happening all the time, but only Jesus can heal you. And so I need to invite Jesus in to this better way uh, of, of living and better way for me to have this, this kind of story. So if I have my friend uh, just come up on the keys, uh, any location, um, what I wanna do just to kind of transition to this next time of teaching and then to prayer is this. You know, I'm gonna pray through this. I'm gonna kind of teach through some of these hurts before, but here's what I love. Jesus shows us that it's okay to not be okay because why? Because Jesus wept. But Jesus doesn't just show us, he also tells us that it's okay to feel this way. Matthew 5, verse four, Jesus says this, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. So Jesus says it's actually okay to be not okay. It's totally okay to be in that situation. And we can actually have Holy Spirit as a comforter because I believe this, how we're gonna move forward and how we kind of wrap this up today is we're gonna understand a new way of healing, a new kind of healing. You know, Jesus wept when it wasn't okay, even though he knew it was gonna be okay. And I think a lot of us do this kind of in the opposite way though, is that we know it's not okay, but we're just gonna pretend like it is okay. And yet so many of us, we actually kind of go through these cycles of hurt, these hurt cycles. And I'm gonna kind of teach through this and actually what I'm gonna teach through is what we're gonna pray through. And a lot of us, we actually have these hurt cycles that go on and on forever, for decades even. And they always start with an event. So the first thing that happens is an event happens. So the very first thing is an event. 
So for me, I was on a plane that caught on fire. Events, I hate that they happen, but they happen. It wasn't right, it wasn't okay, but it happened. And we cannot pretend like it didn't happen. Pretending like things didn't happen does not help it. It doesn't do anything about it. So um, I have my example of, of a plane that was on fire when I was a kid. It really messed me up of that event. But another example is gonna be maybe this, is maybe that you've had relationships that have let you down. Maybe you've even been in a really bad or abusive relationship. Maybe that's the event that happened in your life. I hate that that happened for you. I hate that you've had bad relationships. But I think a lot of us have these moments and it could be really anything. But after every event that we have, and events happen throughout our life, the next thing that happens is that we have a lie. A lie often comes in, either from the devil or from ourself. And this lie, man, it often messes us up a lot. You know, for me, I was, the event was I was in a plane that caught on fire. That should never happen, but it happened. And me pretending like it didn't happen doesn't help the fact that it did. And so, man, I, I had this happen, and it hurt, and it scared me, and it messed me up for years until I prayed the way we're going to pray in a little bit. But the truth is, is then I had this lie that I believed about it. So the event was I was on a plane that was on fire, but the lie that I believed was that planes are not safe. And in a really deeper way, if I'm really honest, it was that I'm not safe. Like I'm, I'm not safe, I'm not taken care of. Or if I'm like, if I'm really gonna go to the root of it all, the deepest lie I believed was that Jesus wasn't gonna take care of me. That this, in my mind, for whatever reason, I was like, this happened because Jesus was letting me down and I'm not safe. And I believe this crazy lie. And maybe you're in a place where in, in the past you had a really bad relationship in your life. And maybe the lie that you believe is this. Man, I've had bad relationships in the past. So the lie you might believe is this, is that you need a backup plan. Hey, I'm going to get into relationships, but like I'm going I'm to get, you know, I'm going to date somebody, or I'm, I'm going to get married, but because of the past relationships that didn't work out, I, I'm going to believe this lie that I need to have a backup plan in case it doesn't work out, just in case it doesn't work out. And then the third thing that happens when we have these lies is this: is we end up creating these defenses. We create these walls that will do anything to defend us from feeling any kind of event ever in our lives. So for me, I was on a plane that caught on fire. I believed a lie that I wasn't gonna be safe if I did that. So my defense was this, I'm just not gonna fly. Because deep down, I believed I was always gonna crash and burn. Like, man, like in a literal way and a figurative way. I just thought it was gonna go bad every time. So I stopped going to all these things. And so I had this defense. And maybe, maybe for you, um, you were in this bad relationship, and so you believe a lie that you have to have a backup plan. So you know what your defense is gonna be in that marriage, in that relationship? Your defense is you have a backup plan. And you think about that person. Maybe you're a married person, and you're here, and you have that backup plan, and you think, hey, if this marriage doesn't work out, there's always that person from high school, I know I can reach out to them, and they'll always be there. If this marriage doesn't work out, I always got that backup plan. So our defense is that we actually have the backup plan. And then what ends up happening, the last thing is this, is we've, we have a reaction. We have a reaction to our defenses. So my event, I was on a plane that caught on fire. The lie I believed is that I wasn't safe. And so that my defense was this, I'm just not gonna fly. And my reaction to all of that is that I never went the places my father was calling me to go. And in the longevity of it, man, my life, all I do now is I travel and preach around the world. My two greatest fears growing up were flying and speaking publicly. It's ridiculous. 
And I believe this for real. I believe what is a hurt today, man, is a laugh tomorrow. If we invite Holy Spirit in, we can laugh about our past hurts. It can be so ridiculous to us because the problem here, man, the problem here is that we have these reactions. We have these reactions. And if it's, man, for me, it was, I wasn't going to the places my father called me to go, but let's say for you, and it can be a lot of different events, but for the example, let's say you had a really bad relationship. So you believed a lie that you have to have a backup plan because your relationships aren't gonna work out. So then you have this defense that says, I actually have a backup plan. There's that guy or there's that girl back from the day. I know I can reach out to them. And the reaction is this. This is what almost always happens. Your marriage ends up failing. Why? Because you had a backup plan. And you can't ever be fully in a plan A relationship if you have a plan B relationship. Man, that marriage will fall apart every time. And here's what always happens. And this is the indicator that you are living in a, in a hurt cycle like this as you say this phrase, I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen. Because you know what? Because I had that bad relationship so then I felt like I need a backup plan. So then I had a backup plan and then the marriage fails. And then you think, I knew this was gonna happen. This is why I had the backup plan. But in reality, the reason why your relationships fail is because you have half one. And in some situations, it's good to have a backup plan, but only with a microphone. <laughs> this is the only kind. But I think, I think this happens. I think it happens with a lot of us is that for so many of us, we have these moments where we have these backup plans. And let me tell you the truth. Every time you have a backup plan, you will always end up using your backup plan every single time. And the, the thing, actually the thing that was defending you is almost always the thing that ends up destroying you. And so the thing, man, that I thought was keeping me safe was the thing that was actually killing my traveling and the thing that kills marriages. And it can be so many different things. For some of it's relationships. For some of us, it's things like flying. Man, for some of us, man, it's a financial thing that you grew up and the event you had was that your parents never had enough. So the lie that you believe is I'm never gonna have enough. So you defend yourself by either always spending money as quick as you have it, or you keep all of it and you have this poverty mentality. And the reaction is, is that you never have enough. And we live in these cycles. And the last teaching moment is this. A lot of us believe the issue here is not anything else but the event. A lot of us would say, man, if I got rid of the event, everything else would go away. If I just could keep the events from happening, I would be such a better person. But the truth is, the problem is not the event. The problem is the lie that we believe about the events. The problem is the lie. Because if you get rid of the lie that you believe, there's no need for a defense, and then reactions don't happen that don't create new events. So what I want us to do for a couple moments this morning is we're actually gonna pray through this. And so I want us to do this. If we can bow our heads and close our eyes at all the locations at Restoration Church. We're gonna go, I'm gonna kind of guide us through probably a unique way of praying for a lot of us. But, but it's gonna be really good. And I wanna be very honest with you. The first couple prayer points can be kind of difficult for some of us because for some of us, this might be brand new. But it's gonna be such a good thing by the end because here's what I believe. By the end of this prayer time in just five or six minutes from now, I believe that we will go from hurt people hurting people to free people who can free other people. So we're gonna, we're gonna pray. And the first thing I want us to pray at all the locations is this. With every head bowed, every eye closed, at all the locations is this. 
is, Holy Spirit, I invite you to give me a new healing this morning. I invite you into my heart, to every part of it, to even the deeper parts that I've probably never dealt with before. And we're gonna go through a bunch of different prayer points. I'm gonna probably give like 15 to 30 seconds after every prayer point, just to kind of give you time for you to do this, because I wanna teach you how to do this so that you can pray like this wherever you're at. So the first thing is this is Holy Spirit, I just invite you in. I invite you to take hold of me. I invite you because you know what? The truth is a lot of us have hurts. And even as we pray, you know, something comes to my mind is this, is some of us were hurt when we were six years old, but it's been 50 years since then. And so you are 56 years old, but you still hurt like a six-year-old. You know why? Because you never actually dealt with the hurt. And so this morning we're gonna deal with some of it. So the, the, the next thing I want us to pray, and kind of the first main thing we're gonna pray is this, is Holy Spirit, what do you want me to deal with this morning? What do you want me to deal with? With every head bowed and every eye closed, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to deal with? Or many of you actually might know. You might know the hurt. You might know the anxiety. You might know the trauma. You might know that. And, and you might, instead of just saying, Holy Spirit, here's like, like, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to deal with? You can tell Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, this morning, this is what I want to deal with. Holy Spirit, this is what I want to deal with this morning. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, man, the Dover location is gonna be kind of um, the location to kind of feel out where everyone else is and it'll be, it'll be around the same for everybody. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask this at the end of every prayer point, just so I know where the room is at and where our churches are at, all the campuses are at, is this with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can say, Holy Spirit, would you show me the hurt you want me to deal with? Or Holy Spirit, this is the hurt I want you to deal with. If you're able to kind of get that or have that moment with Holy Spirit, just for a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're able to get that from Holy Spirit of what you want to deal with in this prayer time, can you just raise your hand just so I know where the room is at? Awesome, 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 awesome. Okay, you can put your hands down. And we're gonna keep praying. I'm gonna keep asking us to raise our hands over and over just so I know where the room is at and where our other campuses are probably likely at. So Holy Spirit, what do you want me to deal with and then the next thing is this, and this might be the hardest part for us, and then we're gonna move to a better and better and better. Every prayer point is way easier. But Holy Spirit, would you show me where this started? This hurt, this, this belief, this trauma, would you show me the place where this began in my life? Whether I was a six-year-old or it was days ago, Holy Spirit, would you show me where this happened? For me, when I prayed like this for the first time, you know, I ended up having like Holy Spirit kind of take me back to the plane where, and it was like, man, I don't want to be here, but in a moment it gets so much better because I need to, I need to understand where this started so I can let it just kind of stay there for a moment. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at, if you're kind of able to, to identify where this, this pain, where this hurt started, can you just raise your hand just so I know where the room is at? Awesome, 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 awesome. Hands up all over the place. Okay, cool. You can put your hands down. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, the next thing we're gonna pray is this, and this is a big one, is Holy Spirit, would you help me see Jesus in the room? Would you help me see that Jesus was there in that moment? Even though Jesus didn't want it to happen, he didn't make it happen, but he was there to see you through it so you'd be okay on the other side of it. He was there the entire time. And he's there to comfort you and to be with you in your grief, in your trauma, and your pain. So Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to deal with? Holy Spirit, would you show me where this started? And then would you show me Jesus was there at the whole time? Would you show me Jesus was in the room? 
And as you're praying with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to almost picture yourself back in that place, back in that room, back in that environment. And then I want you to almost to picture Jesus there with you. Because the truth is, is he was. Even though it doesn't feel like he was there, he was there the whole time. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're able to say, hey, I, I, I can imagine Jesus being there in the room. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can just raise your hand, just so I know where the room is at. Okay, 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 put your hands down. So then, the next thing we're gonna do, and this is huge, is this. We're gonna ask, Holy Spirit, with Jesus with me, would you help me and understand this? Holy Spirit, what is the lie I believe about this place? What's the lie that I've been believing about what happened here? You know, for me, it, was, it wasn't just that planes weren't safe. The deeper lie was that I'm not safe. So Holy Spirit, what do you want me to deal with? Would you show me where this started? Would you show me that Jesus was there? And then right now, what is the lie I believed about this place? What is the lie I believed about this place or am still believing about this place? And with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at, if you're able to kind of get a hold of what that lie is, can you raise your hands just so I know where the room is at? Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, and as we're praying, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to almost challenge us before we keep praying is this. When we have these moments, we need to ask the question, what if that's not true? What if that's not true? Like, what would that change for you in your life? What if that lie that I've been believing isn't true? What if that's not true? So we have this lie, Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to deal with? Would you show me where this started? Would you show me that Jesus was there in that moment? You, you're telling me the lie, you're showing me, revealing to me the lie I've been believing about this place. So man, my, one of my favorite things now is this. I want you in this moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, all the campuses, I want you to, in your own way, to hand it over to Jesus. He's in the room with you. He's there in, in the past, and he's here right now at all our locations. He's, he's, he's with you. He wants to take the pain from you. He wants to take the lie from you. So right now, in Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to deal with? Would you show me where it started? Would you show me that Jesus was there? What is a lie I have been believing about this place? And now, I give Jesus the lie. Jesus, I give you the lie. Because it doesn't come from Jesus anyways, but yet Jesus wants to receive it. And for some of us, you know, I'd be like, no, 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 Jesus doesn't want anything to do with this. Actually, he died just for this. He died for this moment. Not just for your sins, although absolutely yes. He also died for your hurts, both physical and emotional. And he's so excited to take it from you. So for the next like 30 seconds, Jesus, would you take the lie? And for some of us, we might visually think of it like we're handing something to Jesus that's broken. Man, I remember handing him like, man, Jesus, like, man, I, I, I give you my plane ticket, man, because I, I am not in control of this, but you're in control. So just a couple more seconds. Jesus, I give you this lie I've been believing. So with every head bowed, never eye closed, if you're able to kind of have that moment and hand something over to Jesus, hand him over the lie, like in 100% of it, 
That's a big part. It's not just like a little bit of it. You gotta hand the whole thing to him. But if you're able to do that this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, can you just raise your hand so I know where the room is at? Awesome, 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 awesome. Okay, you put your hands down. And the last thing we're gonna do in prayer is this, and it's the best part. If, if there's this lie we've been believing, maybe for decades, because I believe this, there are some of us that were hurt when we were six years old, and we've been carrying it around for 50 years old, and now we're 56, being still hurt like a six-year-old, man, he wants you to grow and, man, to live a life past when you were just six years old. So as we hand him the lie, there's only one thing left to do then, is to receive a new truth from Jesus. So Jesus, I pray right now that you would speak to my friends at all the locations at Restoration Church and that you would bring restoration to them. Man, I pray that you would bring to them the word over them that they sit in right now, that you would bring a restoration moment to their heart and that you would give them a new truth in replacement of the lie they believed. You know, one of the lies I believed, I believed a bunch of them about my event. I didn't just believe I wasn't safe. I also believed that like, man, I had no control over my life. And then the truth that Jesus gave me was that that was actually a good thing because he told me the truth is that he has the control. And he's, he's in control and he's got it. So Holy Spirit, what is the lie I've been believing about this place? I hand it over to Jesus. And lastly is this, Jesus, what is a new truth you wanna tell me about myself? Because so many of us, we identify with these events. We, we think of ourselves as broken. We're not good enough for a relationship. Man, I'm never gonna have enough money. I'm never gonna do my dream. I mean, I'm never gonna have this thing. I'm never gonna get past this. Like, I'm not enough. But the truth is, is Jesus wants to give you a new truth for just like 20 more seconds at all our locations. Jesus, what is the truth you want to give me? And with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at, if you're able to get a new truth from Jesus, can you just raise your hand so I know where the room is at? Awesome, awesome. Well, Jesus, I pray that this would not be just a one-time event dealing with our events, but we would learn how to be able to do this all the time. Amen. Amen. So here's, here's the thing. Here's what I think is interesting to me. I, I had one major fear in my life growing up for 15 years. I was terrified of flying. I was terrified of it. I mean, I was, I was messed up. Man, for years, I would refuse to do the thing that God called me to do. And then I had a moment similar to this, this morning, where I would pray in this way, where I would actually invite Holy Spirit into the deepest hurts of my heart. And then he, he told me a new truth that I was gonna be okay. He gave me these new truths. And what's wild now is, I mean, I went from being terrified to flying to every year now, I mean, I fly, man, thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. Man, this year alone, we'll probably close to like fly like almost 100,000 miles this year. It's crazy. And can I tell you honestly, I fly out later today. I'm so excited to do it. I'm so pumped. I love flying now because I've realized, man, I was believing a lie about flying. Man, people can believe lies all the time. And there's two things that help me do that, where now I'm excited to do the thing I used to hate doing. Number one is I would pray like we did earlier. And I also, I realized something. I flew here yesterday. I saw the pilots and I saw something very interesting. I've actually, I've never seen this. I've never seen a pilot 
get on the plane wearing a parachute, ever. I've never seen this. And I'm so thankful, because it would scare me to death if I saw a pilot and like, all right, just in case. I'm like, do, do I get one? <laughs> um, like for, but yet so many of us, we do this with our life all the time. God has a plan A for you, but you can constantly have a plan B of the parachute in case God doesn't show out for you, in case God doesn't really make himself fully real to you. But let me, let me tell you the truth, ma'am. God, God has a better plan A than you have for your plan B. And so I wanna pray over you and I'm gonna have uh, the location pastors make their way up and wrap us up however they see fit. But I wanna pray over you as a church is this. And if, and if you're here, uh, yeah, I, I wanna pray over you this because I believe it can be a really powerful moment to kind of wrap this up. So I wanna pray over every location is this, is Holy Spirit, I pray this for all my friends. Man, I pray that you would give them a better plan A for the plan B we have chosen for ourselves. I pray that you would help us that when we have events and we have moments in our life that are hurtful and harmful, that you would help us walk through those events and you would see us to the other side. And I pray this, is that the new truth that you gave to all of us, man, that we would believe the truth that you've given us this morning in the name of Jesus, amen. And the last thing is this, just from a practical point, Number one is this, if you, wanna, if you wanna help people with this, man, you can pray with them the way I'm praying through you. Uh, and the other reason is this, uh, at this location we'll have them in person, but other locations we'll have them um, via this QR code. Uh, I wrote a book called The Holy Spirit Is Not A Bird, and this is a revised and expanded version of it before. And there's an entire chapter that is this exact thing that we talked about today. So if you wanna go through this again or help someone else go through this, I'd encourage you to check it out. But man, I'm so excited to be with you guys, Restoration, I'm gonna hand it over to all our campus pastors.